Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.
All right. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to ACC Tailgate. I am your host, Will Dalton, a.k.a. Wilbur and Gold. Hope you're doing well on a Thursday. Uh, we return to the madness tomorrow, I believe. Uh, March Madness getting going again. NCAA tournament picking back up. Hope your brag, uh, bracket is not as much of a dumpster fire as mine, it, mine is. But uh, hope you are all doing well. Happy to have you all in. Hope to get a lot of comments in here today. Get a little of this lemon water going. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And a nice little zing to it. Um, so, yeah, I hope we get in some uh, good comments today. Had a couple new uh, people in the comments section on Tuesday's show, which made it a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, you guys know I love the comments. It's my oxygen. It's how I learn. I learn about you guys. I learn, you know, what appeals to you, what I need to do better, uh, you know, what we can talk about more often. And it's fun to engage with you guys live on air, uh, as always. So let's just get right into it here. Uh, let me get my banner up here. Let's see. Bum, 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 bum. I'm on one this morning. I, I'm like, uh, I, I've been going in so many different directions this morning. That I've been making Star Wars TikToks. I've been trying to sell stuff on eBay. I haven't had breakfast yet. I haven't had time to get my workout in yet. I just finished my first cup of coffee. Like, I'm just, you know, I, I got other than, like, I got a lot of just stuff juggling right now, but I'm excited to be with you on a Thursday. Um, so I didn't talk about Syracuse as much as I planned to and wanted to uh, on Tuesday's show. Fix my camera here. Uh, I didn't get to talk about Syracuse as much as I kind of wanted to on Tuesday's show. Um, blind for brother. Um, I got to be honest with you. They were kind of dead in the water late in the season. You know, uh, you know, a couple of, I mean, they were having, they were having an okay season, but nothing, um, nothing special. Like they were on the tournament bubble. Uh, it could have gone either way at one point, uh, you know, the, especially there towards the uh, last bit of the season, you know, I think with like four, three, four games left in the season, they lost to Duke at Duke. They lost to Georgia Tech at Georgia Tech. And they really just, they, they were dead in the water. I mean, it wasn't looking good for a Syracuse team that was pretty solid. I mean, you can never... One thing that I've learned over the years is even on years that Syracuse, and I guess you could say this about Carolina on occasion, which a little bit less on occasion because usually Carolina is a legit team and usually there's no doubt. But, you know, last season was a bad season for the Heels. This season was kind of all over the freaking place. And so it was a little bit unprecedented. I would love to know the percentage that that word unprecedented has been used over the last year by just everybody on the planet. Like, I feel like I hear it every hour, at least once. So, but yeah, like one thing I've learned about Syracuse is even on years that they don't, like they're okay, like they're nothing, like unless they're just a bad team. But like on the years where they're just kind of like, okay, like one thing I've learned about 
Syracuse and Jim Beheim as a coach, like you can never count them out. You can never count them out because it's like his between his coaching and the players he has, like they they may string something together on you. And sure enough, here they go in the Sweet 16, along with Florida State, you know, the t- only two ACC teams left standing. The other four that entered the NCAA tournament got wiped out in the first weekend. Uh, just, you know, kind of a rough weekend for the ACC coming off of a great, a, a great ACC tournament. The NCAA tournament performance was kind of a little bit on a different note. But, um, yeah, Syracuse – Lost at Duke at Georgia Tech, then went on to get uh, three straight wins to finish up their season. They beat Carolina, beat Clemson, beat NC State, um, uh, law, and then lost their last – actually, correction, they lost their last game of the season to UVA, who was ranked number 16 at the time, but they only lost that game by three. So even then, like they were showing, you know, not only are we beating teams like NC State and uh, Carolina, who's kind of up and down and inconsistent, we're hanging around with you. We're doing what Georgia Tech, the best way I would put this, and I'm not taking credit for it because I didn't call this one from Syracuse. I called it from Georgia Tech. I didn't call it for Syracuse. Um, Syracuse is doing just a little bit later in the season and maybe a smaller window of it, smaller sample size of it than you know Georgia Tech. It seemed like the whole last half of the season they were on this run that went right into the ACC tournament, won them the championship in the ACC tournament, and then they, you know, I don't want to say they fell off because they played a tight game. I forget who, who did they even lose to. I got my bracket right in front of me. Who did um, uh, where are they? Georgia Tech. Where you at? Where you at? Oh, they lost to the the Cinderella themselves, uh, Loyola Chicago. Which here they they freaking go again. Obviously, we didn't have a tournament last year, but if you recall, I don't remember which round they exited in. I don't know if it was Elite Eight or Sweet 16. It was one of the two. But here goes freaking Loyola Chicago again on a Cinderella tour. So they, they go figure, they had to be the ones to snuff out uh, one of my favorites, Georgia Tech, in the first freaking round um, as we welcome a new viewer. Hope you're doing all right. Uh, so that that was unfortunate to see, but... No, Syracuse, even though it wasn't quite the whole back half of the season like Georgia Tech, uh, it was, let's see, that's right, Sister Jean for the win, the Spartan Barton, welcome in, the Loyola grandmother for the win. You're going to be seeing her face all over the place this weekend, especially if Loyola actually does well, makes it to the Elite Eight, or God forbid, further than that. Uh, Sister Jean, absolutely for the win. Uh, she kind of started to go viral two years ago when they started to make a Cinderella run. Let's see here. Um, good question. I'm actually kind of glad. See, this is this is good. This is why, again, this is why I love the comments because you go directions that you did not think out ahead of the show, which makes it it makes it even more. Let me explain something. If you ever wonder why I love comments so much, see, I am the type. I don't know if maybe you gathered this by now. I'm one that I love for my content to be so authentic and transparent. I'm not going to sit here in front. I'm not going to sit here and try and put on an act. If I don't know something, I'm literally just going to be like, I don't know. It's not something I spend a lot of time on. You know, that's just how I roll. So I want to be 100% authentic with you guys uh, because I think it connects with you better. That's one thing I've 
picked up on as I've tried to learn the best, you know, how to do content and performing and things like that. Authenticity always and the truth. If you really want this, the truth always works because it connects with your audience and it builds a relationship. So yes, this is why I love comments so much is because things that I did not even think about Loyola Chicago or Oral Roberts going into the show, I was thinking all about FSU, Syracuse, and you know a couple other things that I wanted to get to in today's show. But this is this is great because these are the two Cinderella teams to the point of this question. You got Oral Roberts, who again I got my bracket in front of me. Uh, who did Oral Roberts beat? Oral Roberts, they took out number two, Ohio State. Then they took out number seven, Florida, uh, in the second round. And then you've got Loyola Chicago, who took out a hot Georgia Tech team in the first round and then beat at number one, Illinois, Illinois in the second round. So both of those teams took out a big dog. And then another dog that was pretty hot. Florida was hot. I don't know how hot, but they obviously they had to be hot to be ranked at number seven. And then obviously we know Georgia Tech was hot because that's from our neck of the woods. But uh, you know, I'm kind of torn about it. I mean, now granted, I will say I don't think. I think we are attached a little more to uh, Loyola Chicago because of you know Sister Jean and you know they made a Cinderella run two years ago. I don't remember what their rank was. It, I mean this year they're really not even ranked that low. Uh, they're ranked eight. I mean that was a fairly even matchup between an eight Loyola Chicago who was one higher than their opponent number nine Georgia Tech. So really, I would I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to say I think Oral Roberts is more of a Cinderella right now. Um, yeah, I think we're more, um, I think we're more uh, romantic about, again, Loyola Chicago because of Sister Jean and because this is the second time that they've kind of gotten in the tournament and took out a couple of big dogs. But they were more of a Cinderella. To me, they were, were, were they were where, Oral Roberts was this year, two years ago. Uh, that that would be my take on that. So, who's more of a Cinderella? I'm going to go with Oral Roberts, even though I mean Loyal. Now, points in Loyola Chicago's favor. Obviously, they took out a one seed in Illinois. So, that's legit. But even still, I want to say Oral Roberts is a little bit more of a Cinderella at this point. Um, Let's see here. Oral Roberts had a great comeback, too. They were losing. Uh, I didn't even get to watch that game, technically, so I'm glad you're filling me in. They were losing the whole entire game until the five. Yeah. And, and again, that's that's kind of to the point I'm making. Like, I would say just because of the rankings and everything, Oral Roberts is a slight more Cinderella story, uh, legitimate Cinderella story than Loyola Chicago, just because they were a little bit more established going into this tournament than they were the last time they made a legit Cinderella run. So that's how I would answer that question. Um, but getting back to Syracuse, I mean, they've gotten hot at the right time. They've gotten hot. You know, at the end of the season, 
last little chunk of the season going into the ACC tournament and now into the NCAA tournament. They're hot at the right time. Buddy Bayheim is lighting it up. Uh, and again, you know, Jim Bayheim showing why he's one of the greatest coaches of all time uh, to take a team that was you know, solid, okay. And here they go again, getting hot at the right time. Uh, you know, Florida, again, Florida State and Syracuse really holding it up for the ACC and the NCAA tournament right now. So I hope that they have a good weekend. Obviously, my team's out, Carolina. You know, we'll, they have their own issues to figure out right now. But now I will say this Syracuse and Florida State are both in interesting spots. Obviously, uh, Syracuse is on the Midwest side of the bracket. Florida State's on the East side of the bracket. Uh, they both have very difficult Sweet 16 matchups. And I think, just looking at the uh, bracket here, i got to be honest with you. If both FSU and Syracuse, this could actually get very interesting because, to the point, if both FSU and Syracuse can get past their Sweet 16 opponents – I'm going to make a prediction right here and now. They both go to the Elite Eight. Uh, excuse me, the Final Four. Obviously, if they beat their Sweet 16 opponents, they're going to the uh, Elite Eight. If they beat their Sweet 16 opponents, which is Florida State has number one, Michigan, and then Syracuse has number two, Houston, into the Sweet 16, I'm going to make a bet. Same way I made a bet about Georgia Tech making a deep run in the ACC tournament, and then they won it all, pay up. Uh, I'm going to make the same prediction here. I'm going to say FSU, if they can beat Michigan in the Sweet 16, and if uh, Syracuse can beat Houston, number two Houston, in the Sweet 16, they both are going to wind up in the Final Four. That's my prediction. Because, and, and again, you know, I kind of have done my homework on this, when I was trying to fill out my bracket, which is about 53% correct. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody's bracket did very well this year because it was just so – it's been a shit show, quite frankly, in the in the tournament. I mean, it's been uh, – the upsets and just – it's been a dumpster fire. Everybody's bracket looks like it got thrown into a dumpster fire, stomped on, run over, uh, rained on, and then – all over again like that to me I would guess that's what most people's brackets look like at this point so I'm actually kind of happy where I'm at at slightly above halfway um usually that's not great but given everything this year I ain't upset about it so um so if if FSU can beat Michigan they would take on the winner of UCLA Alabama my guess is that Alabama wins that game. Alabama's number two in that uh, region. UCLA's 11. UCLA's been okay this year, not great, obviously because of their 11 ranking, duh. Alabama, it's true, they're number two. They've had a pretty good on-paper season. I think they're overrated as hell. I do. Um, let's see here, Spartan Spartan Barton, I appreciate the love. 50% and up as a winner in my book this season. 100%. Like, typically, I would – and, again, I mean, I've only been doing the bracket challenge for a couple of years now as far as, like, you know, competing with people and not just filling a bracket out for fun and saying, oh, I wonder how I did. Like, to me, in this year, like, 
like you said, 50% or better at this point, given the upsets and given just things that we could not have predicted, that ain't bad, in my opinion. I'm actually not upset with – it's either 51 or 53% that I have right now. I think it's 53, so I'm not mad at it. We'll see how the weekend goes. Uh, let's see. It's the year of the upsets and Gonzaga, 100%. Uh, and that's why I said on, on Tuesday's episode, it's it's been congruent with the COVID year in 2020, even though it's 2021 now, but you get it. Uh, it, it it's been very congruent, you know, with everything that's going on. And it's just it's just been a weird year. I mean, we've got we've done well. We've gotten it in. We've made we've gotten through it. But no Duke in the tournament, no Kentucky in the tournament. Michigan State barely scraped in by the hair of their teeth, I think. Um uh, it just, I, did Michigan State get in? I could have swore I saw them play in the first four. Maybe they didn't. I don't don't quote me on that because I don't know. The point is, those major powerhouses either weren't in or barely made it in. Duke and Kentucky obviously didn't. Uh, Carolina was this all year, which is usually a major player in the tournament, and they exited the first round, which I don't think Roy Williams has ever done. And it just again. So it's very congruent with everything that's already going on this year. But Alabama is very overrated. I'm here to tell you they are. Because when you look at their schedule, they got a lot of wins. They got a good record. But they haven't played anybody. They, they haven't played a lot of, like, legit teams. And when they have, I mean, I could go pull it up right now. I would pull it up on my phone, but I'm filming on my phone. Um, but when I went back and did the homework on Alabama season, it's like their record's good. They've beaten a lot of teams, but they're not beating a lot of ranked teams or legit teams. And when they have played any type of legitimate ranked team, they've either lost or almost lost. So they like Alabama is not very battle tested in my opinion. And I really, I'm very, I have a high level of conviction about that. That They're not very battle tested. Syracuse, in my opinion, is, which I don't even want to mention Syracuse because they're on the other side of the bracket, but you, FSU is very battle-tested. Uh, they've got a lot of upsets on their record. They're obviously a ranked team. They're better than most of the teams that Houston played when Houston did play ranked teams. So the point I'm making is I expect Alabama to beat L- uh, UCLA. If FSU can get past number one Michigan – I don't think they're going to have any trouble beating Houston, uh, especially if they just beat Michigan, which is obviously a way tougher test than Houston. Um, So then that would put them in the Final Four. On the other end, uh, let's see here. Bama, uh, Spartan Barton says Bama is talented. They are, uh, but I don't see them getting past the Elite Eight. And again, like I'm with you. I think they will beat UCLA. Uh, because I, you know, UCLA is not that good. Uh, but I don't think they're going to get past either Michigan or FSU. I think either one of those teams are going to have a field day with Alabama. I think Alabama is going to get exposed in the Elite Eight. That's my take on that. And then on the other end of that, um, Syracuse plays Houston. That is a going to be a tough one for Syracuse. But if they can – get past Houston, they're either going to have to face Oregon State, 
I did get that one right, by the way. That was one that, that was one of my upsets that I did uh, predict when Oregon State beat Oklahoma State because Oregon State, even though they're a 12 seed, they've had a lot of they've had a pretty hot season. You know, they I don't remember specifically what they did off the top of my head, obviously, but it was enough. You know, when they played ranked teams and just the the way they beat teams that they were supposed to beat, it was enough to make me pretty. Uh, pretty certain to pick them over number four, Oklahoma state. And that proved to be one of the ones I got right. So I'm happy about that one. I felt really good about that one, but Oregon state plays Loyola, Chicago. I don't know who's going to win that game because I, I don't know. I don't know who's going to win that game, but the point is, I think if, Syracuse can get past Houston. I think that they beat either one of those teams, Oregon State or Loyola Chicago, which would put them in the Final Four. So that's the, that's my reasoning for my take for the coming weekend, which is a, one final time for the record. So if I'm right, I can clip it and post this on Instagram. Uh, if FSU gets past Michigan – and if Syracuse can get past Houston in the Sweet 16, both of them will have no trouble with their Elite Eight matchups, and they will represent the ACC and the Final Four. Uh, so let's move on to a little NFL, a little, little, little sprinkle of NFL. Um, <clears throat> got about 20, 15 minutes left. Um, so obviously I've talked a lot <clears> – <throat> about wanting the Panthers, <clears throat> my team, and not just bringing it up because, you know, the Panthers were my favorite team, but because it was a legitimate potential destination for Deshaun Watson, uh, I made a prediction that, <clears throat> and this prediction was like three, four weeks ago, uh, four, about four weeks ago, I made it, that if the Panthers specifically were going to make a move and get Deshaun Watson, it would have happened a couple of weeks ago. That obviously has not happened because since then it's gone from where's Deshaun Watson going to go to this whole other situation uh, about him and the, you know, the massages and all the women that are coming forward for all that, which by the way, I'm completely uneducated on. I don't know any of what is being said that he did at least not really. Um, I just, I don't know enough about it to put a stake in the ground at all on that. I will tell you Bulldogs 1992. What's happening, man? New comment. We love it. We got a new comment. Uh, we had a new commenter on Tuesday's show. We got a new commenter on Thursday's show. We're keeping this ball rolling here. Bulldogs 1992. Hope you're doing good. Uh, happy to have you in here. Um, oh, Spartan Martin says two ACC teams in the final four in football. You know what? That's a good point. I didn't even think about that, but two ACC teams in, uh, basketball and football to make it to the final four would be incredible. And it, you know what? It would be kind of the cherry on top, the bow on top, if you will. Uh, obviously talking about Clemson and Notre Dame making it to the final four of the college football playoff in football. And then if, uh, FSU and Syracuse can both make it in basketball, that would be kind of a nice cherry on top to what has been 
an incredible year that we've gotten to have here in both football and basketball. You know, we talked about it. I raved about it so much during the football season. Um, just how fortunate we were, like in a year where we didn't know what sports was even going to look like if we were going to get it, that we got to come in and our football in the ACC was so good. And I think it's going to be even better next year, by the way, on the record. But I mean, Clemson, Notre Dame, Carolina, Miami. Uh, who else was at Virginia Tech for a minute? Pitt for a minute. Uh, I feel like I'm missing somebody. But the point is, there were consistently three or four teams all year long in football in the top 25 from the ACC. At one point, there was a record six. I think the record might have been five, and then we also hit six. Have six teams sprinkled into the top 25, which, again, so – you know, you get two teams into the Final Four for football, Notre Dame-Clemson, and then you go right into a season that was – I'm going to say that the ACC basketball season was not – this is difficult because a part of me feels that the ACC basketball season wasn't quite as good as the ACC football season – uh, just because there were so many new teams and more teams than just Clemson and Notre Dame in the top 25 consistently in football. With Duke having a down year and Carolina being up and down and uh, that whole situation, it, it wasn't like a tip. Now, if you would have given me all the new teams that we got, like obviously FSU being better this year, they came back from last year and were pretty good. Carolina at times was good, and then at times they were like, what the hell are you doing? Duke obviously had a bad year. Uh, Georgia Tech got hot. Pitt had their time this year, and then they lost some players and kind of fell off. But Pitt, for their, there for a little while, was like, all right, they might do a little something too. You know, NC State had a few good moments this year. Uh, obviously, Syracuse is having some good ones as well. Uh, UVA, Virginia Tech, finally, you know, they had a great season in basketball this year. So I'm not going to say, I'm not even going to, uh, uh, I'm not even going to breathe life into the notion that uh, the ACC had a down year in basketball because with all the teams that usually are the good teams, I feel like there were just, I feel like it was very compensated, you know, with UVA, Virginia, UVA was usually good. FSU is pretty usually good. Uh, Virginia Tech was in the mix. Georgia Tech was in the mix. Again, Pitt was in the mix there for a little while. NC State had some good runs. Uh, Syracuse. So I think it was pretty compensated as far as the usually good teams being down and some new teams coming up. So I'm not going to say the ACC had a down year in basketball, but I will say I don't think it was quite as good as the ACC football season. Now, if Duke would have had a good year, if Carolina would have had a good year, and the team, you know, if you would have had more of that in the mix, the teams that usually are pretty good being up to what they usually are, then I would probably have to, uh, we'd have a real debate. What was better, the football season or the basketball season? But regardless, it was good. I'm just saying not quite where football was. But the bigger point here, as a welcome new viewer, hope you're doing good. Uh, the bigger point here is the comment here by Spartan Barton is that if you can get two teams to the final four in football and basketball, it would be such a cherry on top to two really great years in football 
or excuse me, two really great seasons, football and then basketball, one going right into the other. And I got to be honest, I think football is going to be better than it was this year. I think basketball, because I think Duke will be back. I'm hoping Carolina is going to be better. Uh, I think you're going to see more next year out of basketball. So, so much to look forward to. And it's why I'm so happy that I started doing this show for you guys. Uh, Well, really, it was Chris Landry that started the show. He just asked me to do it. Uh, I'm very happy that it was this year, the year we got both football and basketball to do it. And I'm only even more excited about what's to come next season, uh, which we really won't have to wait that long for with football. So, yeah. But, yeah, so that that's that. Uh, but back to the point I was going to make before Spartan Barton just gave me an even better point to make. Uh, I, I, I don't know anything about the Deshaun Watson stuff. I have not looked into it, have not read into it. My two cents, knowing absolutely nothing, uh, it does, it's going to be one of two things at the end of the day. Uh, Obviously, about 14 women have come forward saying that there was some type of inappropriate conduct at massage. I don't know if it was all massages or one of them was a massage and others were other things. I don't know. All I'll say is this, and it, it is... It's a weird uh, topic because obviously you've got people on the side of saying, all right, we need to prove, you know, we need to prove these to these women, uh, we being the NFL, we need to prove to these women, all right, we're on their side, we're looking out for them, we're going to figure this out. But then there's also the side where it's like, and and I've always thought Deshaun Watson was one of the more higher character guys in the NFL never would have suspected anything like this to happen. And just, you never would have expected it. And then all of a sudden, ironically enough, when he's trying to get traded and, you know, obviously he's in the news every day over that and he's trying to find a new home for his career. Now all this stuff just, snowballs and comes out one by one by one. I'm not saying it's not legit, but and and that's what I'm saying here is it's one of two things. Either he is getting blackmailed and sandbagged, like he's getting sandbagged, like and, and everybody's coming out of the woodwork uh, for, for whatever the reason. Or it's going to be, he was very good at hiding this side of himself. It's going to be one of those two things. I don't know which it is. I'm not going to make a take on what I think it is because I honestly have no idea. I haven't read into it. I'm just giving you just off the surface what I think. So it, it's definitely a weird situation on the lease. But that takes me into what I was going to say, which is I don't know if the Panthers are going to be able to get Deshaun Watson now. I don't know who's going to get Deshaun Watson or what's going to happen with that. It's it's a whole other thing now over in Houston. But I got to be honest with you. I'm really liking what I've seen out of Trey Lance. There are those out there that seem to think that the Panthers could draft Trey Lance with that number eight overall pick in the draft. They they think that most likely if they use that pick and didn't like trade it away to get a Deshaun Watson or something else, they're going to take Trey Lance because let's be honest, the Panthers need a quarterback for the long 
call. I don't think Teddy – I love Teddy Bridgewater. I, I don't like all this chatter about – of course, then again, I don't like all the chatter that happens like this around some of these players because it's just not true. It's not valid. It's just talk. It's just gossip. It's something to talk about on the networks. But, you know, this notion that there's a bad – there's bad blood now between Teddy Bridgewater and, I guess, the, or, uh, the Panthers organization, the Panthers upper management, the coach, Matt Rule – because they potentially were looking to shop Teddy Bridgewater for Deshaun Watson. I, I don't know if I, I just, I don't buy into that. Not, I, I don't like, I, cause I have a pretty good idea what type of dude Teddy Bridgewater is. And I have a pretty good idea what type of relationship he and Matt rule had from the start, by the way, the whole reason that Matt rule wanted Teddy Bridgewater was because he's such a high character, high quality dude. But, be that as it may, I never thought Teddy Bridgewater was the solution for the long haul. He did sign a three-year deal, uh, you know, just played out the first year of that. I never thought he was the long-term answer for the Panthers at quarterback. Um, I always thought that they would potentially move him later down the road to get somebody else, like a Deshaun Watson, or uh, move him after potentially drafting somebody or keeping him around for another year after drafting somebody. But the point is, I just never thought he was for the long haul. And I gotta be honest, I really, if, if the Panthers can't get Deshaun Watson, which I, I am still in favor of that, um, because I think they are that caliber of quarterback away from being a legit threat in the NFC. Their defense is on the way. They drafted an entire defensive roster practically last year in the draft. Um, and their offensive weapons are, one, very underrated, and two, very lethal. Uh, obviously, they just lost Curtis Samuel to Washington, but the point still stands, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, all the others, uh, and Robbie Anderson, who really sparked this year for the Panthers, which I was hoping he would because I knew we had that in him. Uh, I, the Panthers are a quarterback away. Point blank simple. They are a quarterback away. And if you can get said quarterback without having to give up uh, Christian McCaffrey, by the way. And now, I was always, not always, but as I got more into it, I was kind of of the standpoint that if the Panthers were to go after Deshaun Watson, they'd probably have to give up Christian McCaffrey to do it. But if, God forbid, you could get Deshaun Watson without Christian McCaffrey or you could get a Trey Lance who I don't know how well he runs. I haven't watched him enough yet, but from what I see, he can move pretty well. Um, you mix in uh, Christian McCaffrey with a quarterback like that, give him a decent O-line of protection, which has always been an issue for the Panthers. Hopefully they're fixing it. The, 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 type, of, the type of play action plays that they can run, having a good quarterback that can move and throw, and the, one of the best backs, if not the best back in the league, and Christian McCaffrey, like, that could be a problem. So I'm very high on Trey Lance. I, I'm wondering if he could potentially be – I'm not saying he's going to be Patrick Mahomes, obviously. But a Patrick Mahomes-ish type quarterback in the sense that, obviously we knew we know coming out of the draft, he's pretty damn good. But we don't realize how good he is or how good he could be and he just pops. I'm wondering if Trey Lance could be that type of quarterback. So 
we'll see. I just kind of wanted to get into that today because I'd heard a lot of talk about Trey Lance. And um, so, yeah. Um, while we're on the subject of NFL, before we wrap up here in a couple minutes, I'm not going to get too deep into this, but it's just something I kind of wanted to say and get off my chest. It kind of goes back to um, kind of goes back to what I was talking about on Tuesday about Carolina specifically and Walker Kessler transferring and others. Why do we panic, both fans and the media? Why do we panic and freak out and jump off of not bandwagons, but just jump off of people? So fast. And I'm talking about Tua. And I'm talking a little bit about Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, why? It's like one minute, they're all that in a bag of chips. And then the next, it's like, uh, we're looking to move them. We're done. Uh, We're looking to trade them. They're they're done. We're ready to move on. For what? Jim, you realize... Now, I get that it was most, you know, obviously what really dominated for the 49ers a year ago was their defense. I get it. I watched them dominate. Their their defense dominated uh, the Panthers. I watched it. Uh, But you still, let me tell you something. You cannot get to the Super Bowl with an elite defense and no quarterback. You can't do it. Like, you got to put up some points. It's great if you can put up a zero on the defensive end every stinking game. But if you don't score at least a little, you ain't going to win too many, which means you ain't going to get to a Super Bowl. But it just it baffles me. Like the, it, it baffles me. Now, I get it. After a while, as more data, evolve, and again, you know this, you guys know this about me, like, I'm very comfortable in changing my position on teams and or players and on, on things because as you, and it goes the other way too. It's like people will bend anything to defend their point that they made a year ago or however long ago to make sure that they were right. And they will sound stupid while doing it. I don't, I'm just like, things change. I literally, I did an Instagram story and I was talking about this yesterday. It's like, I think process is overrated. The idea of process, you know, sticking to something, sticking something out. I think it's overrated because things are, especially in the world we live in today, things are constantly evolving. Things are changing every day, every damn second things are changing. Something that was true five minutes ago might not be true anymore. And that's just how the world works now. I mean, it's how it's always worked, but with technology and the internet, it's even faster now. So it's like the idea of sticking to something just because you think you should or it was the right move the other day or last week doesn't mean it's the right move now i want you to make the move that you know based on the data that you have right now i want you to make the decision that you know is the right one to make right now uh even if it goes against what you thought yesterday um because i think that's the best way to operate but it's like i don't know like i just i don't understand why we're moving off of Jimmy Garoppolo. And I st- mainly want to get into Tua, but it's like Gar- the whole Garoppolo thing baffles me too. But it's like the dude was in the Super Bowl a year ago. He he, he was 
very, very sought after, uh, you know, when he was in New England, they were shopping him. Like what? I just, I just don't think he's done enough or not done enough to already move on. And, and in San Francisco, like what, what are we talking about? So I, I don't know, but, and the whole Tua thing, let, let's get into the Tua thing. Talking about uh, the Dolphins. Now, granted, I mean, the dude played half a year. He played half a year. His rookie year. He's a teenager, I believe, I think, or just coming out of being a teenager, regardless. And you're already moving off of him after he was all this hype. Uh, at Bama and coming into the draft and going to the Dolphins and it was two a time in Miami. Like, what, what are you talking about? He hasn't even sniffed anything yet in the NFL. You already going to move off of him? Like, give me a break. I can't. I, I just, that stuff baffles me. It's like, give the guy a minute to breathe in the NFL for a second before you decide, like, uh, what do you think? He hasn't breathed in the NFL yet. He like he barely poked his head out, and he's and they're already moving off of him. Like for what? For what? And, and to the point here. And I'm gonna. So I got two comments I want to get to here from uh, Spartan Barton. Uh, first one being, I think Tua will shock people this season. Offseason training will be important for him and the team. That's a big point there. I didn't think about that, but now now that you bring it up, it's like. Do you understand, and this is going to be the case for a lot of players that either did pretty well and now they're going to do even better because they got an offseason to actually work and practice things with the team, not over Skype and Zoom, a.k.a. Tom Brady. You think Tom Brady was going to be something last year? He didn't have any OTAs with a new team. Cam Newton didn't have any OTAs with a new team. Same thing here with Tua. This is just going to be his first, I hope, I assume, we'll see. This will be his first official year starting in the NFL. Hopefully. He will have actually have OTAs. So this, yes, I agree with you, Spartan Martin. I think that Tua is going to shock people this season. Ain't going to shock me because I'm like, yeah, well, I could have told you this was going to happen. Um, but OTAs are going to be so important for Tua. They're going to be important for Tom Brady. They're going to be important for Cam Newton. Uh, and speaking of Cam Newton and Tom Brady, Spartan Borton asks, I couldn't ignore this one because this is like outside of obviously the Panthers getting to the Super Bowl, which we'll see who they get at quarterback. You never know. Uh, a Cam versus Brady. Even better, Bill Belichick versus Brady. Because technically Cam been going up against Brady. It's quarterback court. You know what I mean. Bill Belichick versus Brady in the Super Bowl. Lord Hemmers. Lord Hemmers. I, 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 again, outside of the Panthers making the Super Bowl, as we welcome a new viewer, welcome. If I could choose, nothing against Mahomes. Mahomes is going to get his. While Brady is still here, and in Tampa, can we please get a Cam, or excuse me, uh, Brady in uh, Tampa, not Cam. Can we please get a Brady versus Bill Belichick Super Bowl just one time? 
or you know a, a Brady versus Cam with the now with the Patriots Super Bowl. I would love to see Cam get another shot at the Super Bowl and finally win himself just one Super Bowl before he's you know over the hump. I really want that for him being my favorite player. Uh, but man, even bigger than Brady versus Cam in the Super Bowl in the Super Bowl, Brady versus Belichick in the Super Bowl would be a problem. You want to talk about ratings? Go, that might would set a record for ratings. And what would be even better is the fact that I would I'm assuming that next year's Super Bowl, by the time we get there, it's gonna be back to normal. I would assume stadiums are gonna be full capacity by that point in next February. Uh so the hype, the fans will be back for the first time in the Super Bowl, uh, at full capacity. The hype around that game, the the ratings would be set an all-time record if this was the case. Because that's ultimately the quite Now, obviously, Brady has the point in his favor in that conversation right now because he just won a Super Bowl. We'll see what Cam and Belichick can do with these new acquisitions that they just got. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm excited uh, for it. But, man, Cam versus Brady in the Super Bowl. First time stadiums going back to full capacity. The I mean, oh. Why'd you have to do that? Now I'm ready. I'm excited now. I'm ready for this now. I'm like, put it on. Put it. Can, can we watch it? Can we turn it on? Like, I am so ready for that matchup if we could get it. But, and, and yeah, back to the Tua thing that put me down this road. Tua just had an injury. Now, granted, I know that is part of the question mark with Tua. You know, was his injury. So I get that one. But still. Still. Like, Unless you can get a Deshaun Watson, which I think is what they were kind of wanting to do down in Miami, which that one I kind of get. I get it because I want him as a as a Panther fan. But if you can't get Watson, give Tua a chance to breathe just a minute in the NFL before we say, eh, he ain't the guy from Miami. Like that, Because just five seconds ago you were saying it was Tua time in Miami. Stop. Uh, so back to the madness we go. That's going to do it for Thursday's show. Back to the madness we go. Back to uh, our brackets we go that are probably, again, a disaster zone at this point. But we'll, we'll see what we can pull out. Syracuse and FSU get it done for the ACC so we can have a fun. We're going to have fun regardless. I mean, give me a break. But we got some fun stuff to talk about if Syracuse and FSU can get this done. Or just one of them, hopefully FSU, because that's the team I'm – bullish about uh but man let's let's hope they can get this done for the acc uh let's see here spot one last comment i gotta get out of here uh chris landry has a good point about watson he's a great quarterback but he only won uh four games last year that's that's fair i mean that's fair i mean you also have to realize that watson was was in a into the point of why everybody's leaving houston i mean they were in a very bad i mean it was a clown show uh, in down in Houston last year, even more so now. So that you got to factor that in as well. But I, I get what he's talking about. So, but enjoy the Sweet 16 Elite Eight Elite Eight weekend. Uh, see if Syracuse and FSU can get it done. That is going to do it for me. I'm your host here on ACD Tailgate, uh, Will Dalton, aka Wilburn Gold. Uh, pleasure to have all of you in. All the comments we had, all the new comments. Uh, Bulldog 1992. 
Glad you got in here, uh, in on the action. And we'll do it again Tuesday, Thursday, next week, 11 a.m. Eastern time, right here on Chris Landry Football. Special thanks to our sponsor, American Betting Experts. And until Tuesday at 11 a.m., we'll see you next time. Have a good weekend. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.